Blog Talk Radio. then was, as a business owner, what do I have to do? Well, the bottom line is I have to be, have absolute clarity about where I'm going to take the, uh, the business because it should drive and will drive most, if not of all, of my financial decisions going forward, how I invest in the firm. There's nothing worse than having spent 20 or 30 years building a company um, instead of taking large money out, whether it's in salary or holding a lot of money in retained earnings. I suddenly, um, what I do is one day I decide to sell, I get an evaluation of the business, and I come to find out that it's nowhere near what I put into it, um, not only financially, but all the split equity. And the reason for that is each business has a particular valuation process, and that if I'm not managing to that, all of my investments could basically have no value in, in terms of the buyer. And whether that buyer is an individual who wants to take the business over or the buyer is, I want to, be, I want to merge or be acquired by a larger firm. So we really focused on that. Um, the, the second session, the last one we did, uh, 
which was about the course forward, what that dealt with was this, is that there's, there's some laws of business that absolutely apply in all circumstances. It doesn't matter what size of the company you are, there are laws that apply. Some that we talked about fit smaller companies, others that we applied fit larger firms. In fact, it was basically a 50-50 split on that. And so that was, the, that was kind of the emphasis there. And the last show was more of an educational piece. Today's show is all going to be about, all right, how do I apply that? 50% of what we talk about here is going to be relative to smaller startup, small businesses, micros, uh, mid-level enterprises. Um, half of what we cover is going to be uh, relevant to large corporations. So before I get cracking here, let me tell you this. If you want to join the conversation live, you can call toll-free uh, to our switchboard, 877-218-1545. That's 877-218-1545. If you want to chat in real time, uh, you can go to our homepage here at blogtalkradio.com uh, slash IB2E radio. That's blogtalkradio.com slash IB2E. You can also come to a site if you'd like to download a previous um, uh, program uh, as a podcast, or you can go and you can grab us on iTunes. If, on the other hand, you want to interact through Twitter, uh, use your Twitter account, and you can reach us at W. Eastman, my name. All right, so there we are with the logistics. So what are we talking about here? Well, first and, first and foremost, and this is a challenge that the smaller businesses have, but really in all the years I've been training and working in large organizations, it's simply not uh, all on them is this, is that this really requires a, a, a change of mindset. And the only way you can change, you've got to change yourself. What most owners of small businesses do, they get a particular process and a pattern, a way of doing business that becomes comfortable to them. And that, that's the way they do business. The challenge with that is many times is as the business changes, what was successful in the past is not successful now. It's called the owner's trap, which we talked a little bit about yesterday and we will talk about in further shows. If you don't change and you're not flexible and you don't approach running the business situationally, uh, nobody else in the organization is going to do it. In the early stages, it's basically you and a few people. But if you build a large corporation that has hundreds if not thousands of people in it, um, if you're inflexible in your approach to leadership and management, uh, it's going it's it's to be systemic through the firm. And so what I want to do is give you a model, a way of looking at, based on the stage of the business, what are the, what are the challenges for the owners, what are the ch uh, challenges for the executives who I'm going to treat the same way, what are the challenges for managers, what are the challenges for first-line supervisors. So we're going to cover two things, two topics. One is those management challenges, and that's going to be about 80% of the show. And then what we're going to do is we're going to conclude with um, a piece on hitting the reset button. How do, you, how, how do you basically say, let's start over? So based on yesterday's, let me give you the same analogy, and that is uh, view business, the, the, the whole business growth cycle, as a wave. Um, and so this wave comes in, and it's beginning to build, and what happens? The trough of the wave is the first stage of the business, and that's the dream to plan stage. Uh, I'm not going to drill down in great detail what does it mean because we did that in the previous show, but this is this is before you open the doors. This is all the stuff you do to get ready and say, okay, now we're in business. So I'm going to talk about four things. I'm going to talk about the key, the key part of the company. What part of the organization is most critical? The second piece is management methods. The third one is core process, which also picks up yesterday's um, um, or the previous session. And then the final is uh, failure points. Uh, why did you fail? And so each one of these growth stages is going to have four pieces in it. So in the early stages, before you open the doors, the key part of the company is the top. Why is it the top? Well, because the owners have the dream. 
the people who, the, who created this organization have this rough idea of what they want to do without a lot of details, and they need to convert that into a, an executable and manageable plan. And so that is the key part of the firm. Management methods. How do you at this particular stage in the business manage? Well, direct supervision of the options available to you, direct supervision is the way to go. Now, what I mean by direct supervision, and that is somebody needs to be telling people to do this, to do this, and do this. And it goes beyond what, but it also goes to how in many cases because until you get it out of your head and transfer it into action that people have seen, has been role modeled for them and they have seen, they don't know what it means. And so direct supervision is the method of managing the business. And I've got to tell you that most entrepreneurs are exceedingly comfortable with this, and this is part of the founder trap. The third piece is core processes. What do you need to build? Yesterday we talked about that there are five categories or five systems that you typically find in any business, and each system has two sub-processes. Now, this is a generic view of it. Obviously, every company is a little bit different. You would use different terminology that I'm using, but I haven't, in 32 years of being in this industry, I have not found an absence of any of these. And if I found an absence, uh, we typically found the whole and why it's not performing either up to its capacity or up to the owner's or the executive's expectations. So the two core processes you want to build before you open your doors, number one is your financial accounting system. And this, is good. this goes far beyond just hiring a bookkeeper. Yesterday we hit upon, and I'll just say it one more time, if you're going to be your own bookkeeper, you're crazy because it's, it, it's much more than having control and understanding the numbers. You can do that and have somebody else do the numbers for you. What is critical here is at some point you're going to need sound financial advice, and unless you have that background, you probably can't pull that off. On top of it, it's also the old story of, um, of lawyers that represent them in a court proceeding is that uh, the saying goes something like, um, uh, any lawyer who defends himself has a fool for a client. It's the same thing. And so you want to set up your financial accounting system. And the point I want to make here, which is going to be critical in our next couple of pieces, is this, that you want to take a look at this as a scalable issue. Don't get something now to say, oh, we'll improve later. Look for a piece of software that you can grow on. Look for a piece of software that will integrate itself very easily with a inventory system. Look for a piece of software that integrates itself very well with a customer relationship management system. Um, a piece of software that will integrate itself very well with project management. And they're out there. Now, I'm not an advocate for any particular system. What I am saying is don't buy something obscure and cheap that, you know, six months from now or a year from now, you're going to have to upgrade. The essence of these first couple of stages as we go through them in business growth is you want to build the infrastructure now, and you do not want to have to re-engineer, throw stuff out, bring new stuff in. There's no reason for it if you're thinking about it at the beginning. The other core process you want to look at is your process for building the early strategy. And that's what you're going to be doing. I mean, why? What, what's, what's this principal challenge uh, of a company in this stage of growth and this stream to plan this stage one growth is this, transferring from the owner's head, the executive's head, the investor's head, what it is that they're trying to create, putting it into an action plan. Those are the two processes. Failure points. Uh, do all companies that get into this planning stage go, uh, go live and start selling? And the answer is absolutely not. Um, a lot of times what they realize is they're undercapitalized or they're too slow to market. We hammered on that in the last show is <clears throat> so many companies, and I've done this, I purpose, not purposely, 
I have been the victim of my own need to get things super right. And what happens by the time you go to market, yeah, you have a pretty good product, you think, because it hasn't been really tested because you haven't sold it. But more importantly, you have no money left for an aggressive marketing and sales campaigns that's going to require it because unless you are Steve Jobs and you go to a new company, people go, ah, Steve's there. You are totally unknown in the marketplace, and if you don't have any dollars to market, then every sale is a cold call. Wish you luck. Um, sometimes it fails because the number of tasks and things required to get started just simply overwhelm the owner or founder. Either there's not enough resources laying around or the owner figures out that I really don't have the ability to do this. And the last thing you find is as you do your research, which strategic planning requires, is that you find that the business is simply not viable. The business idea isn't going to work. If all those things are not true, or you don't pick up on them and you go to market anyway because you're enthusiastic about this, then stage two is go live. I've also called this as cash is king. Let's go through the four pieces again. What's the key, what's the key part of the company now? key part of the company moves from the top to the front. And what I mean by the front is the people on the front line interfacing with the customer now become the critical play in the firm. Cash is king and that what that really means is that the, probably the critical function of the organization becomes sales. Um, nobody has enough money to get to the next stage, almost nobody. You know, sometimes you get lucky like Google and you start off with a lot of investment capital. But I can tell you on our research, and we talked about this on the last show, is that uh, how much startup capital you have uh, is not a predictor of whether or not you grow to market dominance. It, it simply isn't. Uh, and the reason for that is companies with a lot of money typically spend a lot of money. Companies with not a lot of money don't. And so the really question that becomes here is that you have enough to start. So the front is the key part of the company, and sales is the key part of the front. Management methods. Well, you, haven't, you don't change here. It's still direct supervision because now what you want to do is you want to be actively engaged in all the sales process. Now, if you're good at sales, maybe you're the lead salesperson. If you're not good at sales, then you want to have somebody that is. But the key thing here is that if you believe that you can turn sales over to somebody else, I wish you luck. You're a brand new firm. You have no track record. Nobody knows of you. Why would I buy? An incredible amount of risk is involved in that process. It's the owner. It's the executives face-to-face -face with customers that give them enough peace of mind that they're willing to take the risk. Core processes, we talked about it. It's new client sales. New client sales is the most important thing. And I would recommend that you look at sales like any process. If you were building products, you got a process put in place because you have to. You can't manufacture anything without a process. So there we kind of we know that. But in a lot of other areas, we get kind of loosey-goosey. The principal issue of your direct supervision is the management of the sales funnel. If you don't have a mapped out process, then what do you manage? And this also takes into play, uh, takes into play our previous statement about, the, uh, about financial accounting software, is that you need to have a CRM system. I'm, again, I'm not an advocate. I've used five or six of the most well-known CRM systems out there. Some of them are uh, computer resident software. Others have been cloud-based. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you got one that works and that you use it and it hooks into your financial software so that you understand what you're doing. Without a CRM, uh, it becomes very, very difficult to manage the entire customer life cycle. From the time you first touch them to the time you get them in the door, if you have bricks and mortar, to the time that you get the first sales call, um, from the time they take delivery of the first product or service, uh, from the time that um, you're dealing with service issues. So that is the core process there. 
What are the failure points? Well, the failure points basically all come down to cash starvation. You have insufficient and unpredictable cash flow. The owner is not engaged in sales is one, uh, is one symptom of it. Number two is that there are no sales processes or sales model. There are four basic options in selling. You need to decide which of the four. Again, none of those four are good. Um, there's partnering selling, there's consultative selling, there's relationship selling, there's transactional selling. None of those are good or bad. It all depends upon what you're doing. One of those models fit better, but have it in place and have a sales process as part of that. Um, and then finally is that uh, you, either, you either have got the right customers and the wrong offer, okay, or you got the, the right offer and the wrong customers, and that's typically the why organizations fail. If you get to the next stage, and by the way, there's no guarantee that you will go to the next stage, um, what will determine that you've moved from go live to the next stage, and that's this. You'll have sufficient and predictable cash flow to pay all your bills on time to pay yourself something, and you'll have some retained earnings, and that cash flow is predictable. That without predictability, you can't budget. What's the third stage? Number three. The next stage we call is the next act. Key part of the company is the middle. Why the middle? Because at this point, the owner must get themselves out of the day-to-day operation of the business and begin to move out of it. You need to begin to make the transition from working in the business, doing the work, to working on the business. The company will never grow if you're if somebody's not working on it. Who better but you? And so, what you're looking to do is bring in a layer of management. Typically, in most firms, this is at least going to mean a sales manager, and then depending upon if you're in services or manufacturing, somebody over. They're managing that, so you're out of the day-to-day operation. The management method, your focus has now shifted from direct supervision, telling people what to do, to now, now that you have these managers in place, you have some people working these processes, it's not you, is that build a process. Come up with a best practice for you and map that out and execute that. And what you want to do is you want to manage processes. So instead of the owner coming down here and telling people what to do, you're going to look at the process and say, how are we doing on the process? The goal here in all processes, and we'll talk about this in another show in much more detail, is to become the lowest cost producer. All right? You want to build it better, faster, and for less than anybody else. And then uh, core process, it is how you build your products or you deliver your services. That's a process you want to build. You want to build a process around selling to existing customers, what we call organic sales. Now you have some in the door, um, don't neglect them to go get new stuff because uh, typically the cost of sales to existing customers is a lot less and they're the source of improvement ideas. And then the last piece you want to go to here is now that you have a process in place is you want to look at something around what we call managerial managerial accounting or activity-based cost. In other words, some way of beginning to break down your cost based upon work that is performed in the organization. Most companies at this stage are into aggregate costing. And what I mean by aggregate costing is that you have no idea which customer is the most profitable, which products are the most profitable, which process is the most profitable. All you know is you've got to have numbers of, we made X number of dollars. You need to be able to break that down or you'll never get a handle on whether or not the business is profitable at all. And then the failure point is the owner trap. You don't have the ability to change. You're happy with direct supervision. You're happy with telling people what to do. If that's the case, you're not going to get any further than this. This is your future is here, and every day is going to be Groundhog Day. Now, if that's the future you want, and you created this business in order to give yourself a job and have some good money and build some retirement, fine. I'm not putting you down. But if your goal is to grow this thing, uh, it's going nowhere. Um, what happens typically is there's also a lot of conflict in the organization that becomes unmanaged because as you brought in new people, 
they're working with the people that are here from the beginning, and sometimes the new people you bring it in, in fact, most of the time, because of their prior expertise, are in positions over the people that have been there. It creates a lot of conflict. You're going to have to manage through that. And then the last one is you have no clear picture about your end game. Um, you don't know where you're going to take the business. And if you don't have a clear picture on the end game by now, you can do that earlier in the business, but now is the time when you are at the point where you can't kick the can down the road any further. If, if you don't have this mind made up here and have a plan put together, you can't grow the company. Well, you, you can try, but you'll be a lot of business. Stage four is the big, fast stage, okay? The key part of the company now is support. And the idea behind support is up till now you've been running a very lean operation. If somebody was not either servicing a customer, building the product, building the service, um, they didn't have any real value to you, and that's appropriate. But if you're going to grow the company, what you've got to do is you've got to take people who are in customer-facing jobs and in production jobs and in service jobs, and you've got to alleviate them of a lot of administration that just naturally comes with creating processes. So here's a point in time where you begin to hire um, uh, clerical help, administrative help. You also begin to look for other professionals like HR. Typically, companies at this stage have made the decision to insource their HR function if they've been doing it themselves or they've been outsourcing it, say, to a staffing agency. Um, those are the type of key roles that now have to be played in the company because what you want to get is you want to get the most productive labor you can from the people who are engaged in things that produce dollars. The only people that produce revenue in the company are people that face customers or make things. Everybody else is a cost item. And so in order to pay for the support staff, you have to have sufficient revenue. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Management methods. Well, we've gone from direct supervision to building processes, to now what we're doing is we're managing by results. The process is in place. You know it works. So, okay, did we make our numbers? And think about what happens here is how much easier that becomes as the owner because in no place are you surrendering control. What you're doing is you're changing the control, and your control methodology becomes more sophisticated. In the early stages, you couldn't manage by results because you'd have no results to manage because nobody knows what they're doing or they're working in the processes that don't exist. And the rule of thumb has always been average people in good processes will outperform over time great people in no processes every single time. Uh, core processes you want to work on here is now your budgeting, your resource deployment. How do you make decisions about money and people and where do you put it so you can give everybody line of sight to the business objectives? You want to work on your selection of, of people, whether that selection is employees, whether that's uh, suppliers, whether that is um uh, suppliers, investors, etc. But what you want to do is you want to work on how you select and develop those relationships. And then the third process that's critical here is performance management. Is at some point what you got to do is you've got to build accountability in the system for uh, whether people do what they're supposed to do, or if you've got a relationship with a supplier, or you've built business alliances, are those working for you? Um, the failure points at this stage is destruction of working capital because of all the things we talked about. What you find is that on the books, if you're not, let's say you're not using cash accrual, but on the books, your accounts receivable look wonderful, but the fact is there's no money in the bank account. The other part of that is insufficient infrastructure. In stage three, you didn't make the decision of what you were going to do in your growth stages. You didn't put a plan together. You didn't build the infrastructure. Now you're selling like mad dogs, which is typically what happens, and you can't deliver on anything you sold. Basically, a lot of companies go out of business here. Fifth stage, number five, we call it profit-taking. 
why is what why we call that profit taking? Because here for the first time you can really identify the profits, and it's now time to begin to take some money out of the company. Key part of the business is the middle, because who is going to be in charge of what you need to do next? It's those middle managers that you brought back in. So again, what you see is you're beginning to shift from managing results to this stage where you're managing. Um, We've, uh, where, excuse me, where you've got the middle of the organization. Um, you're going to get them to look at fixing processes to make sure that you've taken all non-value-added activities out. Your management method is, again, focused on results. You're not going to meddle in what they're doing. It's whether or not what they're doing is meeting the demands uh, that's required of the business. Core processes here, um, uh, I think we pretty much covered those. It's the, it's the budgeting, it's the production and service execution processes, and it's performance management. So in this case, you have nine of the ten generic processes that our organization has. Um, failure points, indecision on the end game. Um, either you didn't decide or you're procrastinating on pulling the trigger. I can tell you right now, your company, if you're looking to sell, your company will never be worth more money than it is right now, right at this point in time. So if that's the case, if you're going to sell, do it. If you're not going to sell and you're going to grow, then take your retained earnings, take the money that you've made in the firm, the profits that you've taken out by getting leaner and leaner and leaner, and take those and program them back in. The companies that have become market dominators typically reinvest about 30% of the retained earnings back into innovation. And the reason why that why that? Because your option is if you're going to reinvest in the firm, do you borrow it or use your own money? And you definitely know how difficult it is to borrow money today. You also have the cost of capital. The other failure point is as you begin to work on your process and take profits, you're writing policies and procedures. Sometimes what happens is you become too bureaucratic. But I will tell you is that if you think you can stay here, you're crazy. You're off into stages that we're not going to talk about because they're counterproductive. Uh, the sixth stage, number six and the loop. So now what you've done is we've got to the crest of the wave. Now what you're thinking about as a surfer, instead of crashing on the beach, what you're going to do is you're going to get off and ride the next wave. This is called reinvention. The key part of the, comp the company now is technology or subject matter experts. This is the point in time where you've grown most of all your own talent, but you don't have everything that you need. Here's where you now bring in specialists. The example in my firm is we do a lot of computer work, we do a lot of coding, uh, because of our infrastructure, we try to automate everything, and it's, it's a virtual operation in that uh, we don't have a brick-and-mortar uh, location. Uh, what, we, what we had to do here is hire subject matter experts to come in and handle things that we, quite frankly, don't have the talent for. We had up till now, but if we're really going to be serious, then we do that. The management method, we move from results to teams. And teams, two teams. You're going to put two teams in place. Team number one. It's going to be the team that's going to work on internal fixes. Team number two is going to work on external fixes, which gets me to the core processes. The last process we haven't talked about is new product and service development. And what you need to understand, this must be collaborative. Collaborative in terms of it's not only people inside the firm, but outsiders. You get stakeholders involved, investors involved, if appropriate. You certainly get your suppliers and customers involved. And so both of these teams fixing internal stuff and the other team is fixing products. Do we need to come up with a new product? Do we need to modify what we've got? Do we need to come up with a new service or modify the services? Those are all the things that happen at this stage uh, of the process. And the failure points here is either insufficient market research. In other words, you build stuff that you don't know is going to sell, or everything here is internally driven, and now it's all based upon assumptions. So that takes us to the last piece, and that is the, okay, the reset button.
the reset button, there's three things that, that you need to do. But what it starts with is a benchmark of the company. You need to benchmark the operation right now. I don't care where, where you are, how large, how small, what stage of growth, benchmark it. Get an analysis of where you stand in those stages because our experience has been that a lot of companies move forward and they're being held back and not getting the gains that they have built into the system because the what was missing is that they had pieces that they didn't build in earlier stages. So you get a benchmark at the firm to find out stage of growth-wise, where are you, what have you not done that you should have done, and then what do you need to be building right now? Number two is you work hard at your core process to make sure that you build capacity, number one, and number two, if you've got it, how do you maximize that capacity? Because the goal here is that if you looked at everything that you own and everything that operates under the business, are you getting a, a 95% of the potential of what it can do? If you're not, why not? And then finally, create a growth capacity plan. Growth to capacity plan. In other words, how do I now put a plan in place that I can fix what wasn't done in the past and what I can do um, going forward in the future? Okay. So I know that's pretty quick. What you can do is that you can go to my, uh, my blog, The Rudder, uh, and you can find the show notes there. But anyway, thanks for listening. This is Internet Business to Entrepreneur Radio. As we do with all broadcasts, we invite you to expand the dialogue on any show topic by contacting us on Skype at 804-477-1660. Thank you. Success and prosperity is the course forward.